It's my favorite story of a celebrity sign. I've seen a few famous people in my life, but there was one time we were flying back to Chicago from London. We'd been back on vacation. And I remember being at Heathrow Airport. We were checking in. There was a little bit of a line. So we were just kind of stood there waiting to check in and um, just kind of looking around as I do, people watching, you know, checking things out. And I turn and look. I mean, I would say like if you're in the third row, this close, like across the airport lounge, there's this guy stood there. And as I look, he's kind of stood sideways. I'm like... I think that's Jeff Goldblum. He's the actor who was in Jurassic Park, if you know who Jeff Goldblum is. I'm looking, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's Jeff. So I'm like staring, and in my head, I'm like, is that Jeff Goldblum? Is that? And suddenly he turns around and we lock eyes. And there's like this moment where I'm looking across, Jeff's looking at me, and it's like he could tell, he could read my mind. He knew I was thinking, I think that's Jeff Goldblum. Because he just kind of looked at me as if to say, he just kind of nodded. And in that moment, he communicated, yes, I am Jeff Goldblum. And then he looked away and I was like, it was Jeff Goldblum. I know it was. So I didn't just see him. We communicated at a very deep level there across the airport. But, uh, but that was my celebrity sighting. So if, if Joseph, okay, this guy who we're going to talk about this morning, lived about 4,000 years ago in Egypt, if he was here this morning, he'd have us all beat. Okay, Because if Joseph were here this morning, he'd raise his hand, Justin would go around with the microphone, and he'd say, well, I've met Pharaoh, the king of all of Egypt, the most powerful and influential person in this part of the world. In fact, he would say, I haven't just met him. I haven't just skated on the ice with him for an hour. I've hung out with him. I've sat next to him in his palace. In fact, I was at a time I was second in charge of all of Egypt. Me and Pharaoh were like this. And all right, Joseph, you win. You've got us beat. That's a good story. But here's the crazy part of this whole encounter is that we're going to discover today how this relationship between Joseph and Pharaoh began, how Joseph found himself in Pharaoh's court. And it happened very quickly after where we left off last week, which was Joseph in a prison cell. So how does Joseph one week find himself in a prison cell and just a um, very short time afterwards find himself in the palace? We're going to find out today. But before we get there, let me just recap real quick for those who are visiting, those who are new here this morning. So we've been talking about this, this man by the name of Joseph, and the title of this series has been called Messed Up. That's messed up because Joseph just had a messed up life. If you read about him, he, uh, we, we meet him for the first time when he's 17 years old. We discover that he's one of 14 brothers, but out of all of his brothers, he's his dad's favorite. He was the second to youngest son. He was the son of his dad's favorite wife. His, his dad had four wives, uh, but his favorite wife, her oldest son, was Joseph. And this wasn't just a perception thing. Like, I wonder if he likes dad. I wonder if dad likes him more than us. I mean, he bought him this coat, this multicolored, beautiful coat, this coat that the wearer of this coat didn't have to work out in the fields like the brothers. And every time he wore that coat, it just screamed out to his, to his siblings, Dad loves me more than he loves you. We learned that Joseph would go out to the fields with his brothers when they were working. He wouldn't work himself, but he would come back and he would bring bad reports about his brothers. He would tell tales. We learned that he had these dreams and rather than just keep them to himself, he pulled all his family together and said, guys, guys, guess what? I've had these dreams and I believe I know what they mean. 
I think God spoke to me. These dreams say that one day I'm going to be incredibly important and incredibly powerful. And get this, you're all going to bow down to me. Isn't that awesome? No. His brothers didn't find that awesome. In fact, we learned that his brothers hated him. So much so they came up with a plan to kill him. So at the last minute before actually going through with it, before actually killing him, they decide instead to sell him into slavery. They throw him in the bottom of this well. They were going to leave him there to die. And along come these slave traders on their way to Egypt. And they're like, you know what? We could profit from this. They pull him up out of the well. They sell him. They make some money. They allow their father to believe that he's been eaten by wild animals. And here's Joseph now in this, this position of slavery. He's gone from being his dad's favorite, never has to lift a finger, to being a slave in the household of this Egyptian army general. Well, the crazy thing is, things kind of start looking up for Joseph. In his time working for this man by the name of Potiphar, he actually starts to get more and more responsibility, gain more and more favor. We learn that God's with Joseph through this. And actually, he becomes like the head of all of this household answering only to Potiphar himself. He has full control over the households. As far as slavery goes, this is about the best place you can be. So Joseph has to be thinking, okay, God, I remember being in that well thinking, oh, this stinks, but, but now here I am, things are looking up. And things were going great until one day Potiphar's wife, who can have whatever she want in the way of riches, items, possessions, she decides, you know what I want? I want Joseph. She tries to seduce him. Now, Joseph, he loves God and he respects his master. He says, no, man, we're, we're having none of that. Back off. <laughs> I cannot do that to my master. I cannot do that to God. But she tries and tries and persists and persists. And then finally, finally, just exasperated that Joseph won't give in, one day she grabs his cloak as he's fleeing. And she says to Potiphar, look, your favorite slave, Joseph, he tried to seduce me. You should punish him. Potiphar's mad. Joseph's lucky because actually he could have lost his life in that moment. But instead, Potiphar has Joseph thrown in prison. And here sits Joseph in a prison cell. Right after he thought things were looking up, thinking, what? God, what's that about? What's going on? And that's what we got to last week. We were looking at the life of Joseph in this prison cell because as crazy as it might sound, he, he, before long, he's like rising up through the ranks of the prison. We learned that the, the governor just, just really took favor in Joseph and started putting him in charge of other prisoners. And once again, this leadership gift of Joseph starts to rise up. And Joseph finds himself in this position of power and influence in a prison. And we learned about these two uh, people from Pharaoh's court, a cupbearer and a baker who had these crazy dreams and Joseph helps them interpret their dreams. And then he says, well, just don't forget about me, okay? Tell Pharaoh about this situation. Maybe he can help get me out of here. And we learned last week that they forgot all about Joseph and he's left in his prison cell. So that's where we're gonna carry on from this morning because the, I'll give you the um, spoiler alert right now. He's gonna end up in the palace. So how on earth does Joseph go from prison to palace in such a quick turn of events? Well, we're going to find out today. Chapter 41 of the book of Genesis is where you can read all of this. 
If you've got a Bible, you can read along with me. Uh, If you've got the app on your phone, you can look there or you can just follow along. It'll be on the screen. Chapter 41, verse 1. Two full years later, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River. In his dream, he saw seven fat, healthy cows come up out of the river and begin grazing in the marsh grass. Then he saw seven more cows come up behind them from the Nile, but these were scrawny and thin. These cows stood beside the fat cows on the river bank. Then the scrawny, thin cows ate the seven healthy fat cows. At this point in the dream, Pharaoh woke up. But he fell asleep again and he had a second dream. This time, he saw seven heads of grain, plump and beautiful, growing up on a single stalk. Then seven more heads of grain appeared, but these were shriveled and withered by the east wind. And these thin heads swallowed up the seven plump, well-formed heads. Then Pharaoh woke up again and realized it was a dream. The next morning, Pharaoh was, was very disturbed by these dreams. So he called upon all of his magicians and wise men of Egypt. And when Pharaoh told them his dreams, not one of them could tell him what they meant. And finally, Finally, the king's chief cupbearer spoke up. Ah, Today, today I've been reminded of my failure, he told Pharaoh. It's like, oh, Pharaoh, this totally reminds me of something. Hearing the wise men talk to Pharaoh about this dream, no one can figure out what's going on. Suddenly the cupbearer's like, oh, Pharaoh, two years ago now, two years ago, I was in this prison cell. Do you remember you sent me and the baker there and, uh, and then you released me afterwards? While I was there, I had this dream. And this guy there, I think his name was Joseph, he, he interpreted my dream and he was right. He said that three days later, I would be back in your courthouse and here I am. And I told him that I would tell you about him and I completely forgot. But I bet this guy, Joseph, I bet he could tell you what your dream means. So Pharaoh says, well, if he's still alive, if he's still there, bring him to me. I want to meet this Joseph. So they discover Joseph is still there in the prison cell. They, they release him. They clean him up. They shave him. They get him ready to present to Pharaoh. And into Pharaoh's courtroom walks Joseph. In verse 15, we pick up. It says, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had this dream last night and no one here can tell me what it means. But I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. Very humbly, Joseph responds and says, beyond my power to do this, but God can tell you what it means and he can set you at ease. So Joseph tells the dreams again. Oh, sorry, Pharaoh tells Joseph the dreams again. Fat cows, skinny cows, skinny cows eat the fat cows, grain, fat grain. You know, what's that about? Joseph responded, both of Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God is telling Pharaoh in advance what he's about to do. The seven healthy cows... And the seven healthy heads of grain, they actually both represent seven years of prosperity. Those seven thin ones um, and that, um, those are the scrawny cows that came up later and the seven thin heads of grain that were withered by the east wind, they represent seven years of famine. Basically, Joseph is saying, listen. I'll tell you what it means. God's God's given me the the interpretation of this dream. There are going to be seven great years for Egypt. Seven years of wonderful crops and plenty and just, you know, more than you could ever imagine. But right after that, 
It's going to be trouble. There's going to be seven years of famine. You're going to have all this prosperity, but then you're going to have seven more years of famine. Now, at that point, Joseph could have just stopped and said, so there you go. That's what the dreams mean. But Joseph had a couple of gifts, didn't he? He had this gift to interpret dreams, but he also had this, this kind of gift of wisdom and leadership. And that gift kicks in now, because listen to what Joseph goes on to say. In verse 25, he says, sorry, verse 33, therefore Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of all the crops during the seven good years. Have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouses. Store it away and guard it so there will be food in the cities. That way, there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, this famine will destroy the land. I love what's happening here. I love seeing these two gifts in tandem working hand in hand. You see, Joseph has been given these two gifts, hasn't he? One's a a gift to interpret dreams. The second is this gift of wisdom, this this leadership gift that we just keep seeing crop up in Joseph's life when he's in Potiphar's household, when he's in the prison, just this, this ability to rise, to become the leader in any situation. They're both very unique gifts. The, the, the interpretation of dreams, I mean, that's just, that's supernatural. That's a gift that God has given him. It's not like Joseph grew up, you know, and he was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna study dreams. I'm gonna go to school. I think there's an online course about dreams. I'm gonna take that course and I'm gonna learn all the cow stuff and all the grain stuff because I wanna be able to interpret dreams. No, this is just a gift. The wise men, the magicians, they can't figure it out, but Joseph can because God has given him this gift. That's the supernatural part. But then there's also this very practical gift that he has, this kind of wisdom, this leadership. And here's what I love about these two gifts. They both exist in Joseph. We see them both at work here right now. But they haven't always been there in equal balance, have they? Do you remember when he was 17 and he had the dreams? Gift was still there. These dreams came. He knew what these dreams meant. He knew that one day he'd be in power. He knew that one day his brothers would bow down to him. Now, wisdom would have told Joseph, "Mm, maybe now's not the best time to share that. Keep that in mind, but don't. But unfortunately, that gift hadn't really developed yet in Joseph, had it? So at that point, guys, guess what? You're going to love this. You're all going to bow down to me. That's not wisdom. You can have great gifts, but if you don't have the wisdom to use those gifts, it can get you thrown into the bottom of a well. That's what happened with Joseph. So over time, in the bottom of a well, in a position of slavery, in a prison cell, God is starting to develop this leadership gift, this wisdom gift, because God knows that God has, he's got destiny, he's got purpose for Joseph's life. And this dream interpretation is great, but if it doesn't have the character and the wisdom to go with it, it's going to destroy Joseph. So in these broken, dark places, God is is changing who Joseph is. This wisdom is growing. And now you see these gifts working so well together. Because think about it. Dreams, interpreting dreams, that's wonderful. That's that's saying, you know, only God could do this. 
Wisdom's great as well. This idea Joseph has when he says, you know, we could set aside a fifth of the crops every year. We could store them. Uh, Seven years from now, that means we can start giving it out again. It's kind of a, a budgeting system here. We're saving now to have a healthy. That's so wise. But if that's all we'd seen, I don't think God would have got the credit. So Pharaoh now gets to see the wisdom of Joseph and the miraculous, supernatural interpretation of dreams to bring glory to God. You know, here at Connect, as I lead this church, I'm so grateful. I've, God's just brought some wonderful leaders into my life that, that walk alongside me. And when we have to plan things, if we're going to hire a new staff person, you know, I never have to make these decisions alone. I can, I can go on this journey with others. And I love that I've got all this wisdom around me because I think it really helps us make some good decisions and well thought out decisions. I think you see that hopefully play out in the life of Connect. But I don't want to be in a place where people are like, wow, they've got so many wise leaders that that's why that church is, is doing okay. That's why that church is making good because they've got wise leaders. No, it's not just these wise leaders. There are moments as well where we look back and say, Wow. I can't believe how that happened. That could only have been God. We've got some news we're going to share with you here in the, the coming weeks. And, and, and as I look at these situations, I just know that this is just all God. It's just so obvious that God is at work. And I love seeing the supernatural hand of God at work in our church and the wisdom of the leaders at work as well. The two hold each other in balance. The two work so well in tandem together. Okay, so let's jump ahead here now. So um, it says that Joseph's suggestion, verse 37, Joseph's suggestion was very well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent as you are. You will be in charge of my court, and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Pharaoh said to Joseph, the guy who just a few hours, days before was in a prison cell, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt." So Joseph took charge of the entire land of Egypt. He was 30 years old when he began serving in the court of Pharaoh. The rest of chapter 41 talks about how Joseph kind of led the the country through this seven years of plenty, then seven years of famine. But I want to pause right here this week. I want to look at this, this just this crazy situation of how Joseph was in prison and now suddenly is second in charge of all of Egypt. How does that happen? How does that happen? I think the answer this morning we're going to look at together is the idea of God's timing at work in the life of Joseph. God's timing at work in the life of Joseph. I think, and here's my hope and prayer, is this morning as we look at Joseph's life, that maybe you'll start to look at some things that are happening in your life right now and realize, wow, I can see God's timing at work in my life right now. I can see how God's in this. I can see how this isn't something I could have manufactured. This has to be the timing of God at work in my life. I believe that God wants to work in your lives this morning. 
For those of you who are followers of Jesus this morning, I think God has a plan for your lives. I think he wants to work and I think he has some, some perfect timing, a perfect plan. You may be here this morning and you're still not even sure if you believe in God. You're still not sure what you think about this. I think God still has a plan for your life. I think God has a plan. There is some timing at work. Maybe God's timing is even part of why you find yourself here today. Because God's timing is at work in your life. But looking through the lens of Joseph here this morning, I want to look at a few things, just three things, about the timing of God. Three things about how God's timing works. The first thing is that God's timing isn't our timing. God's timing isn't our timing. Here's what I mean by that. If we jump back to the chapter 4, chapter 40, the very last verse, 23, says, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. And then the very next verse, chapter 41, verse 1, says this, two full years later. Two full years later is when Pharaoh had his dreams. Now, we know from studying historical records, people far smarter than me who have you know, really studied this, they, they know that Joseph was 17 when we first meet him. We learn that he's 30 now, so 13 years have gone by. It is believed that 10 of those years were spent in Potiphar's household and three years in prison. So out of three years that Joseph spent in prison for a crime he didn't commit, the first year he's there looking to God, questioning, what's this about? I thought I had purpose. I thought I had destiny. Do you remember that dream I had when I was a kid? Here I am in a prison cell. Come on, seriously? And then this cupbearer and this baker show up. And I think if I'm Joseph and I'm watching this, this interaction play out and I'm interpreting their dreams and I'm finding out that they're important, influential people in Pharaoh's palace, I think... I'd be saying, God, I see what's happening here. This is my ticket out, isn't it? This is how you're going to get me out of here. In fact, he even says to the cupbearer, hey, remember me to Pharaoh. When you meet Pharaoh, tell him about me. I think in Joseph's mind, he's probably putting the pieces together thinking, this is it. And then we read that another two years go by. That means for two years after that incident, Joseph has to be sitting in that cell thinking, seriously? You had the perfect opportunity. Yeah, I know you're the creator of the universe and everything, but I think, I think you messed up because I figured it out. It, it would have been a great chance. If you'd have got me out of prison at that time, those guys, they'd have gone to Pharaoh, they'd have told him all about these dreams I interpreted. Pharaoh would have got to hear about it. Other people would have got to hear about it. Maybe me and those guys could have gone on the road, had like a little traveling thing where we tell people about this. I mean, dozens of people, God, dozens of people could have heard how, how amazing you are. And I could have got out of prison. That would have been nice. So God, I think your timing was off just a little bit. Oh, wait, what's that? Two years from now, there's going to be a, some dreams and seven years of food and seven years of famine and... And I'm going to have the opportunity to be involved in that. And because of my interpretation of this dream, all of Egypt and all of the surrounding lands will be saved. Everyone will hear about you, God, and what you can do. What's, what's that? 4,000 years from now, some English guy in Washington, Illinois, is still going to be talking about this? 
All right, so maybe your timing is a bit better. Maybe I should wait a couple of years. Maybe that would be a better time. But I wonder if you've ever found yourself in a prison cell. Because I think if we're followers of Jesus here this morning, I think we're okay with that because I think we can understand how sometimes God can be in that. And I think we can understand that, yeah, God, I see that you're trying to teach me something here. But then something happens and we see our way out. Maybe it's a situation at work and you've been praying, God, please get this job changed. I don't like this job. And then suddenly we have a conversation with a supervisor and it looks like things are about to change. We're like, thank you, God. I can see what you're doing here. Maybe it's a sickness or a health situation and and there's hope coming. Oh, God, I can see what you're about to do. But then it doesn't play out the way you thought it would. And you, you kind of get mad at God. God, I thought that was the plan. And we kind of get mad at God because he didn't work on the timetable that we thought he should have worked on. We thought, God, this was it. This was the perfect time and you missed it. You messed up. But when we look at the life of Joseph, we see that God's timing isn't our timing. God's timing is better than our timing. Yes, Joseph missed out on getting out of jail sooner. But you know what? When he did get out of jail, he became number two of all of Egypt. In that perfect moment, God had a plan for Joseph's life. You think, I, I think, we're kind of joking here about what it must have been like for Joseph, but I actually think Joseph stayed faithful in prison. I think he knew that God was in control. I think he knew God had a plan. I think his attitude was right. Because I actually think that our response plays a part in God's timing. See, Joseph was just a regular guy like you and me. He started out this spoiled 17-year-old teenager. But I think that as a result of him choosing to stay faithful to God while in prison, he got to see God's timing work out perfectly. I actually have this, this theory that if Joseph had prayed hard enough during those two years, if Joseph had cried out and begged to God, if Joseph had pleaded his case of saying, God, this isn't fair, this isn't right, I think if he'd have prayed hard enough and said, God, please get me out of here, finally, I think God would have said, okay, I'll set you free. And sometime before the, the allotted time, Joseph could have gone, out, gone on with his life, maybe become a small group leader, maybe even the pastor of a, a small church there in Egypt. But I think God knew that there was a much bigger destiny upon Joseph's life, a much bigger plan ahead. And I think Joseph stayed faithful, saying, God, in your time, I think it'll be right. God, maybe there's something you want to do to me while I'm here in prison. Maybe there's something you want to change in my heart. I can remember as a kid um, in a science class, a teacher telling us a story about how um, butterflies emerge from cocoons. We probably watched a video, saw a picture like this maybe, but I remember her telling me that the worst thing you can do is if you see a butterfly trying to break out of a cocoon is, is getting scissors and cutting it and trying to help it out to get it sooner. Because actually part of the, the breaking out of the cocoon process is what the butterfly needs to strengthen its wings and to get its, its body moving so that it can truly fly when it's finally out of that cocoon. There's a process that takes place. And in the same way, I think sometimes God allows us to be in these prisons because there is a process taking place. God was doing something in the life of Joseph. God knew that one day there was going to be this opportunity for Joseph to stand before Pharaoh. And he needed 30-year-old, wise, mature, character-built Joseph 
not 17-year-old. Oh, I'll tell you what your dreams meet because I'm brilliant. And you're going to... God needed Joseph to be the man of God that he was. And I think some of that character was developed in those prison times. Here's the best part of Joseph's story. Here's the best part of Joseph's story when it comes to God's timing. And I think for us this morning, especially if you're in a situation right now where, where maybe there's some, some um, uncertainty in the future, you're stepping into a new phase of life, maybe some things are happening and you're like, oh God, I'm not sure how this is gonna happen or I'm not sure when. And We learn from Joseph that in God's timing, things can change in an instant. Things can change in an instant. I mean, think about it. It just seems that within a few hours or days, Joseph has literally gone from being a prisoner to the vice president. This wasn't a gradual process. Well, we're going to put you on the fast track plan and six years from now, you may be a leader here in Egypt. No, they're like, you know what? Let's put this guy in charge. The guy we just took out of a prison cell. That's, God. that's, that's how God is working in Joseph's life. That encourages me this morning. As I walk through life, I'm encouraged knowing that, that there are things that God can do in my life that could turn in an instant. Now, I think his character, that obviously took 13 years. That was a long, drawn-out process. But when God was ready to move Joseph into this destiny that he'd prepared him for, instantly it happened. Back in the 40s, there was a man by the name of Percy Spencer. Uh, you may not have heard of Percy Spencer. He was, um, uh, worked for this company called Raytheon, I think it's called. Yep, Raytheon. Uh, he was an engineer there. And one day, he just happened to be standing in front. Raytheon develops radars and, and all sorts of things like that. He was stood in front of a magnetron, which is a vacuum tube used to generate microwaves. And just as he was stood there, he happened to notice that the chocolate bar in his pocket melted. He thought, that's strange. I'd be more worried that if whatever this is is melting the chocolate bar in my pocket, what else it's doing, okay? But his curiosity was just what it had done to the chocolate bar, the candy bar. So he does some, some investigating, some research, some studying, and he discovers that this particular magnetron, this vacuum tube, was generating microwaves and that these microwaves were melting the chocolate in his pocket. Do you know what he then went on to invent? The microwave oven. Every one of you has a microwave oven in your house. Percy Spencer discovered it by accident because he just happened to have a Snickers in his pocket one day at work. That's how quickly that changed. I don't know about you, but when I think of the microwave oven, I just assumed that there was a group of scientists sat around for months or years thinking, there's got to be a faster way to pop popcorn. Come on, guys, we've got to think. Let, how can we get this popping quicker? Let's, let's try and come up with a, you know, some sort of scientific microwave. Now, in an instant, the microwave was, was invented. And I almost feel like sometimes we can look at situations in our life, and, and that's how God's timing works in our life. Here's the crazy thing. I don't think, even though Joseph had had this dream when he was younger, that one day he'd have people bowing down to him, I don't think he was sat in his prison cell thinking, oh, you know what's going to happen? I'm not sure when, but I've got a feeling that any day now, Something's going to change, and I'm going to be second in charge of all of Egypt. That's what's going to happen. I mean, that was just not even on his radar. All Joseph wanted was out of prison. He had no idea that God had this incredible plan for his life. I think God has destiny and purpose upon every one of us this morning. 
And we have no idea. We may just be days, months, years. We may be so close to something completely changing in our lives. When we understand that, I think it puts things into perspective a little bit. And maybe when we find ourselves in a prison cell, instead of being like a what, we start to wonder, well, maybe there's a reason. God, maybe I need to be in this cell. Maybe I need, maybe there are some things you're doing in me right now because any day now, things are going to change in an instant. And I'm going to step into an amazing opportunity at work. I'm going to meet somebody who's going to be an amazing new relationship. Something's going to change in my family and my, my situation. And I'm going to look back like Joseph probably looked back from that throne room on a regular basis during those seven years and the following seven years and just thinking, I can't believe it. Like I was in prison. And like a day later, I'm here. Only God, only God can do something like that. I hope this morning that wherever you find yourself, whether this morning you're in the prison or you're in the palace, or whether you're somewhere in between, my prayer for all of you this morning is that you will trust God in the timing. That you will trust God in the timing. You won't try and tear that cocoon open any sooner. You won't try and push things or move things or say, God, I, I know better. I know the way this should work. That you would trust God in the timing. You'll say, God, I want to be faithful to you. I want to have the right attitude because I believe that you're in control. And I can trust you with my life. You love me more than I could ever imagine. And I can trust you in the timing. You know, this would be a great spot to end um, our story on Joseph. But next week, his family shows up. Yeah, next week, his family come back. And it's amazing how Joseph's life ends up as he comes face to face um, years later with the brothers who tried to kill him. So I hope you'll join us next week as we finish out this series. But let me just pray for you as we close out this morning. Father, I know we can be very impatient at times. I know, God, that we can be convinced that we know the best way that things should play out. But especially those of us here this morning who have chosen to step into a relationship with you, who have chosen to trust you with our lives, I pray, God, that we would be able to put ourselves in that place where when, when we feel like things aren't moving at the speed they should be moving or when things seem to be going in the wrong direction or when we find ourselves in a prison, when we feel like we should have been in a palace, help us, God, to trust you. At any point during those two years, you could have released Joseph from his prison cell but by waiting until that moment, you were able to release him into Potiphar's, oh sorry, into Pharaoh's palace. So help us to trust you, Lord. Sometimes it may feel like we're going too long in a particular period of our lives, but it's because, Lord, you love us and you've got a great destiny and purpose for us. Help us to trust you in the timing. I pray this in Jesus' name.